the Islamic Republic of Iran is closed to gospel workers, but the Iranian border is not closed to God's spirit. When Pastor Robert Assarian was a young man growing up in Iran, his very first conversation with Jesus sounded like this. Jesus Christ, I don't know you exist or not, but if you exist, please show yourself to me. If you are not true, anyway, this prayer is a meaningless thing. So I just had that prayer. I didn't know even someone is hearing my prayer or not. And from the next day, uh, amazing things happened in my life. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are on the air this week with Pastor Robert Assarian. He is the Director of Training for Pars Theological Seminary. He is also a former pastor and a former prisoner inside the Islamic Republic of Iran, and we're going to talk about that this week. Robert, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you very much, Todd. I'm also very happy that I uh, have this opportunity to share with you my experiences. Well, we are so thankful that you are willing to share with us. I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, you were born into an Armenian family in Tehran, Yes. Does does that mean that growing up, your friends and your neighbors saw you as a Christian? Does the fact that you were Armenian mean in that culture that they would have identified you as a Christian? Yes. You know, Armenians uh, had been in Iran for 500 years, and Iranian uh, Muslims accepted them as Christians and as a minority, which are very well respected in Iran. But in reality, as as you entered into your teenage years and going through your teenage years, you actually were an atheist, as I understand it, yes. uh, and even a Marxist. Yes. So how, how did you come from an Armenian sort of nominally Christian family to become an atheist and a Marxist? It was uh, 1979 that Iranian revolution happened. And after that, the whole atmosphere of the country was completely changed and there was different kind of ideologies, worldviews, and Marxism-Leninism also at that time in Iran was very popular, especially among the students, among the intellectuals. And in my family, as a nominal Armenian family, my father had some Marxist trends and he introduced me to Marxist ideology, worldview, and I started to read when I was 14 years old. And it was attracted me so much because, you know, Marxism at that time had a bit attractive, especially when uh, Marxists talked about the justice, about the socialism. So it attracted me so much. And, you know, most of the Armenians are just nominal Orthodox Christians. There was not a vital faith there. We are not attending the church. So easily I accepted the materialistic worldview at that time and became a Marxist. So out of that 
atheism and out of that Marxism, how did Christ reach you? T talk to me about how you came to faith in Christ. Yeah, so when I was uh, 17 years old and as a young Marxist boy, teenager, I was active in our Armenian school, talked with different people about my Marxist ideas. And I had a friend that we are close friends for a long time. And suddenly I found out that now he is member of a Protestant church. And at that time, among Armenians, there was a kind of negative attitude toward the Protestant and evangelical churches because there were few evangelical churches in. I was so amazed that how a young man is attracted to Christianity. And he was a very smart boy, very clever, very intellectual. And for me, it was a big question that how such an intelligent boy became a Christian. And I just asked him, what happened with you? And he started to just give his testimony to me that Christ changed his life completely. He has a real encounter with Jesus Christ. And I found out, I felt deeply that this boy is not talking about an idea, about a worldview. He's talking about an experience, a real experience. And his testimony really touched my heart. And I remember after a few days, I just prayed that, Jesus Christ, I don't know you exist or not. But if you exist, please show yourself to me. I want to know that uh, what my friend is saying is true or not. If you are not true, anyway, this prayer is a meaningless thing. So I just had that prayer. I didn't know even someone is hearing my prayer or not. And from the next day, uh, amazing things happened in my life. And I started praying the New Testament. And every verse of the New Testament started to talk with my heart. And gradually, Christ becomes a real person in my life. His real presence was so obvious that... There was no doubt in my mind that Christ is a risen Lord. And I experienced a deep peace, big joy. And I prayed and Christ answered my prayers in a wonderful way. So during one week, I became a born-again Christian. Amen. I love that. The, the atheist prayer. Lord, I don't know if you're there or not, but if you're there, yeah. uh, you know, show yourself to me. Yes. So... You had been an atheist and you had been a Marxist and then you chose to follow Christ. How was that received within your family, within your friends, within the community there when you suddenly had this radical life-altering decision, now I'm a follower of Jesus? Yeah, so my family thought that, okay, this is a new hobby for him. He was Marxist. Now maybe he can be a little bit evangelical Christian. Then another ideology maybe because they know I am always reading. I always in the search. So my family didn't take it seriously. My friends also make fun of me that, Robert, what are you doing? From Marxism, you are going to Pentecostal church. So at first, there was not a lot of opposition. But when my family especially found out that I am very serious in my faith, the opposition began in my family. I had a very difficult time with my parents. And then my friends made, made fun of me during that time. So, yes, opposition started after one year, I can say. Was there ever any doubt in your mind or was there ever any, any sense of, wow, maybe I should reconsider no, this? No, I don't. Or was your experience with Christ so real that it just carried you through that? Absolutely not any doubt. It was difficult for me. I, I loved my parents so much. 
I lied my friends. No, in terms of certitude, I was absolutely sure that Christ is real. Not any doubt. And uh, because I, I had visions, I had prayer that answered healings, you know, uh, Christ for me was so real. Uh, but anyway, for me, it was difficult to manage these oppositions and problems. But no, not any doubt. Christ was so real for me at that time. Tell me about how you made the transition from a follower of Christ to then being in ministry, being, you know, reaching out to Muslims, being on staff at a church. How did the Lord kind of direct you into that sort of vocational ministry? Yeah. So from the beginning of my faith, I felt the calling of serving the Lord. And there was a time that it was maybe three years after my coming to Christ that I felt that Lord is calling me to full-time ministry. Uh, but because of my family and opposition in my family, I had not the opportunity to going to study theology. or. But in my inner self, it was the strong sense of the calling Another issue was I felt that I called to ministering to my Muslim brothers and sisters. At that time, there was Armenian churches also, but I felt strongly that my calling is not serving Armenians, but my Farsi-speaking brothers and sisters. So from the beginning, I, I felt uh, the guidance of the Holy Spirit that, that moved inside myself and gradually, I started to read. I started to translating some Christian books. My elder brothers in the church suggested me that I start a translation ministry in the church. Then I became a youth pastor. But uh, I can say that from the early years of my coming to Christ, that strong sense of calling uh, was very real for me, and especially... I, I, I see that calling to ministering Muslim world. And so gradually, God created opportunities for my ministry, translation ministry, ministering youth, then uh, working with new believers and discipling them. So gradually, uh, Lord bring me to the uh, new fields. So I started to ministering in different ways. We're talking this week on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Reverend Robert Assarian. He's the director of training for PARS Theological Seminary. They are training church leaders for the nation of Iran. He is also a former pastor and a former prisoner inside the Islamic Republic of Iran. You know, I think stories like Pastor Roberts encourage us in many different ways. First of all, when we hear about how the Lord saved a young man in Iran, I hope it makes each of us grateful for how the Lord saved us, for our own salvation story. And when Pastor Assarian talks about training gospel workers in Iran, training people to share their faith, I hope it makes us want to be more prepared to share our faith, even if sharing our faith might cause hardship, might cause difficulty for us. You know, you can read stories like these every single month when you subscribe to the free Voice of the Martyrs magazine. You'll stay up to date with what's happening with our brothers and sisters living in hostile and restricted nations. You'll read updates of what God is doing around the world, and you'll be equipped to pray more effectively for our brothers and sisters who are facing persecution. 
You can sign up for the free Voice of the Martyrs magazine at vomradio.net. There's a link right on the front page there that says free magazine. Uh, Just click on that. Give us your name and address. We would love to send you the Voice of the Martyrs magazine. Again, the website is vomradio.net. Robert, at one point you were actually teaching Christian theology to Islamic clergy. Uh, Talk a little bit about that opportunity. I mean, it's one thing for God to call you to reach out to Muslims, uh, but it's another thing to be teaching theology to Islamic clergy. How did they respond to those teachings, or or how did they participate in those classes? You know, it was a PhD-level course, and the people who were there were Muslim clergy who, who knew Christianity very well. They knew Bible very well. They read Christian theology a lot. So I was in a classroom that my audiences knew a lot about Christianity. In one of my classes, there were eight clergies. And of course, they had a deep respect for me. Uh, it was an academic setting anyway. It was university. Uh, but there was a time that there was hot debates uh, between us, especially when I talked about the Trinity, about the divinity of Christ, incarnation, uh, about these doctrines. For them, it was awkward. For them, of course, they knew very well uh, that doctrines, but they tried to convince me that this is illogical. This is contradiction. This is contrary to human reason. And my approach to these doctrines was first, I tried to create uh, atmosphere that's showing them this is not irrational. This is not contradiction. Then I try to help them looking at these uh, doctrines in a, in a new perspective. And but by God's grace, by the wisdom that Holy Spirit gave me during this course, I can say that uh, there was a time that they became quite silent and just started to think. You know, because when they discussed for, with me, I, I understood that uh, still they have ambiguities and questions. But there was a time at the end of the discourses that they became quite silent. And it was a very interesting experience for me. I, I felt the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that how you introduce Christian truths in an Islamic context in a way that your audiences understand what you are saying. Because sometimes they struggling to understand what you are saying. Because in their Islamic concepts, some Christians' truths is paradox, is incompatible with their Islamic faith. For example, incarnation. You know, in the Islam, God is very, very transcendent, and there is very few contact points with the creation. But in Christianity, that God made human flesh coming to the history, to the human world. So they couldn't understand that how it can happen and can couldn't understand how transcendent God became human being. So my approach was in a way that they started to understand what's going on. I'm not saying that they accepted my logic, but they see that there is a logic there. They understand that there is a different worldview, which its different elements are not contradicted with each other, but are consistent. And there is consistency in the Christian faith and Christian worldview. So, but God's grace, I succeeded to do that. 
it's a pretty amazing opportunity to at least plant some seeds uh, into their minds and into their hearts. Uh, but like you say, you would definitely want the Holy Spirit to guide you as you were um, having those conversations. We're talking this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Reverend Robert Assarian. He's the director of training for Pars Theological Seminary. Robert, being a part of the Assembly of God Church in Iran, uh, there is a legacy of suffering and a legacy of martyrdom uh, from, you know, Pastor Heiko Sepian, who was the leader of the Assembly of God and was killed. Uh, Mehdi Debaj was killed. Ravan Baksh, Pastor Sudman. Did, did you have interaction with those men before their deaths? Did you know them? Yes, it was a great honor. It was a great honor for me to have been with these great men of God, even for a short time. I, I met them personally, all of them. I met all of them personally. I had a few time of counseling time with Brother Hike as our superintendent. I had been in Brother Sudman's house once. I met Brother Ravonbach many times, uh, but especially I had a good relationship with Reverend Tados Mikhailian, uh, who was in Presbyterian Church, mm-hmm. and he was a very good translator. And almost once a month, I was in his office, and we became friends. I was a young boy at that time, and Mikhailian was a very professional translator, and I tried to learn from him some translation uh, lessons and he was a big man of God also. So uh, yes, I had the opportunity to uh, meet all of these martyrs with some of them few times, but with Tados Mikalian many many times. And so, how did it affect your faith and uh, how you how you saw the Christian faith, how you saw the Christian life? as you see these men that you've met and you've had interaction with and you've had fellowship as they start to be killed, in some cases uh, murdered, in some cases actually executed by the state, how did you process that as a Christian in Iran who's seeing other Christians in Iran give their life for Christ? You know, they were big role models for us. And from the beginning, they introduced to us kind of Christianity that cross, suffering, and martyrdom uh, was inseparable from it. The kind of Christianity that they introduced us was a Christianity that you always must be ready to sacrifice everything for Christ, even your life. And these big men of God were kind of people that every day they were ready for dying for Christ. It's not something happened for them. It was not kind of shock for them, not a surprise for them. Their way of the living, you could see in their life that their way of the living was in a way, their lifestyle was in a way that they all, every day, they were ready to sacrifice their life for Christ. And when I myself became uh, one of the top leaders of AOG Church, their role model, their example really helped me that I continue my ministry in a way that I also prepare myself for everything. And when I was in prison, I always thought with myself that, Robert, you are part of a tradition. So in that tradition, martyrdom is something which is usual. So if it happened for you, it's not unusual. You're part of a tradition which is precious and if God wants, you must also continue this path. 
in that time, I read church history. I read about the persecutions in the early church. But these brothers' martyrdoms made alive for us the history, made alive for us Book of the Apostles, uh, Martyrdom of Stephen and James. So I mean that they were kind of people who, in their life, clearly shows us what is the meaning of cross, what is the meaning of martyrdom. In my life, I saw also a legacy. They give us kind of legacy that we young, next generation of the leaders, try to keep that legacy and uh, to be faithful to that legacy. They certainly left an amazing legacy. And for those who are listening, we have had actually uh, one of Pastor Hike's sons, Gilbert, on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We have had Pastor Sudman's daughter on VOM Radio. You can go to the archives at vomradio.net and listen to those conversations. We're talking today with Reverend Robert Assyrian. So, Robert, as you stepped into more of a leadership role within the Assembly of God Church, did you think, you know, you knew what had happened to Pastor Hike, you knew what had happened to some of these others. Did you think that that might happen to you? Yes, we expected that. From the beginning, uh, we knew that sooner or later, maybe it can happen for you. So I'm not saying that I was so happy for that, uh, ready for that, but uh, it was part of our ministry. We, we consider it as part of our calling as an Iranian leader. And so how did you prepare yourself uh, kind of knowing that that could happen. Yes, I could be arrested. Yes, I could be put on trial. Yes, I could even be called to lay down my life. How did you get ready? How did you prepare? Uh, you know, I think your relationship with the Lord is very important. Christian disciplines, spiritual disciplines are very important. I try to have my personal relationship with Christ, fasting, reading the books, reading the Bible, medit- time after meditation. I mean, uh, for an Iranian leader, it is very important that spiritually your relationship with the Lord is deep and strong. Because when the hardships are coming, when the times of persecution is coming, nothing can help you to continue except your spirituality and the quality of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Of course, having that role models, of course, to be well aware of the legacy and the tradition that you are in uh, is very important. It's a big motivation. But first of all, it is very important, your personal spiritual life, your relationship with the Lord, and the quality, the spirituality that you're living. Without that, you cannot survive in the situation of persecution and possible martyrdom. Pastor Robert Assyrian has been giving all of us compelling reasons to stay close to the Lord each and every day. Just like our brothers and sisters in Iran, we don't know when our faith will be tested. Maybe our test won't be the police knocking on our door, coming to arrest us. Maybe it'll be a serious medical diagnosis. Maybe it'll be the loss of a job. Whatever our test may be, we can learn from our persecuted brothers and sisters to lean on the Lord and to prepare for difficulties that will come our way. 
If you appreciate learning lessons like that from our fellow believers in Iran, you can hear more interviews like this one. Check out past conversations here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Every past episode is on our website, vomradio.net. You can hear past conversations with brothers and sisters from Iran, as well as China, as well as other parts of the world. Again, the website, vomradio.net. Pastor Robert Asarian has been telling us how he prepared for persecution when he was a pastor inside Iran. Well, the day came when he had to put that preparation into action. He remembers the day government officials arrived to take him to prison. It is very difficult because they came to our home early morning and I was arrested before the eyes of my two boys. So for me, it was difficult that my small boys observed what happened. Robert Asarian will be back next week to share how he connected with the Lord in new ways while he was inside an Iranian prison. I know you'll be encouraged by that story, so please don't miss that. Be back with us next week right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.